0: I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a time period that could almost be called a pandemic of discontentment. And when I say discontentment, I've heard studies, some of them, even more than this. But statistically, we're told that over 50% of Americans are strongly considering changing their jobs. And I think that part of the reason why that is happening is that I think inside of many of us, one, one friend says, it, it's like everybody I know kind of has a low-grade fever right now. We, we recognize that in the, in the world that we live in, it feels like everyone's just, there's this, this, this kind, of, kind of layer of discouragement, frustration, that that there's this question of, is, is it, why doesn't it feel good? And I think it goes beyond just the job thing. In fact, statistically, I said over 50%, but that there's some 30% in America that are saying they really are going to make the leap to change. And I think inside what happens for us is when we get discouraged and we have those feelings of discontentment that the natural part of us is to say, well, well, maybe I should fix that. I, maybe my, my changing my circumstances will help me to feel better. That shows up. You guys might have heard this, but um, there is a boom, over 60% increase in cosmetic surgery that's happening in our country right now. And some people call it the Zoom boom. Have you heard of this before? And it's because you watch yourself on Zoom, you know, all day long, and you're like, oh man, I got to fix that, right? Uh, you guys have heard this, right? Uh, so, so, so there's, there's a part of us, maybe, maybe if I just change the way I look, maybe if I get a pet, that, that's been a, an increase that's happened over this last year, or even for some, if we're really honest, we look at our church, and, and this is happening in churches across America right now, maybe, maybe I can just make, change my church family, or, or our marriages, maybe it's time to have a different spouse And I want to challenge you this morning, as we turn our hearts to God's word that is so profound and so powerful, the Apostle Paul has an incredibly relevant message for every single person in this room. And what he's going to say to us is, God's way, the gift that the the Lord of the universe has for each one of us, is not based upon us changing our circumstances all of the time to feel better about our lives. In fact, what he's going to challenge us in his word is he's going to challenge us today to understand that regardless of our circumstances, whatever they are, whatever the situation is, it is possible for us to bring glory and honor to the Lord. And so he's going to specifically focus in on some of the things he talked about before, like our marriages and our our employment. He's going to talk about our our religious background, and he's going to say that for each one of us, there is a purpose that God has for us. And so there there are people who today in their time of discouragement fight to change the circumstances and instead what we're going to see is this this simple truth that's going to flow out of God's word. While we spend most of our time trying to change our circumstances, rather than concentrating on serving the Lord in the situation we are in, what we have the privilege of doing, regardless of our circumstances, is to thrive if we understand and live out our God-given purpose. The Lord has a God-given purpose for you, and we're going to see this in the text today, that that there is a purpose that he has designed, a calling that he's placed in your life. And and so inside of us, when we have that that discontentment and that discouragement, we're gonna see the antidote to that in God's word today. But it's gonna be challenging us. It's gonna remind us that that it means that we have to take God at his word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter seven. We're gonna pick up in verse 17. It says this about each one of us, that we have a calling and a purpose regardless of if we realize it or not. You have a calling and a purpose. Verse 17 says this, only let each person Lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. For some of us, that's uncomfortable. The idea that God is sovereign, that he's got a plan for us. For others of us, we recognize that God is involved in the most intimate details of our lives. That he cares about you sitting at your desk at work. He cares about you, mom, trying to raise your kids. He cares about the intimacy of the details of your life. And I think often when we talk about the concept of calling... That we think that's left for the spiritual people or the, the pastors, the missionaries. But, but what we see here, remember Paul's writing to this church in Corinth that was a mixture of believers. Some of them obeying the Lord, some of them disobeying the Lord. And he, you know what he's saying to us? He's saying every one of us has a calling from God that there's a a purpose that he has for your life. There's an intentionality that God desires for you. And for some of you, you say, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too this, I'm too that, I haven't graduated, I haven't, And and what we're gonna see from the text today is he's saying, in your present circumstance, there's a way for you to walk worthy of the calling that God's placed on your life. And that ought to be a source of great encouragement for us, especially when we look around at the world around us and and, and we find things around us that are easy to discourage us. One person, I read an article this morning, she said, I'm wrestling with trying to figure out why to live. Like, why is it that? She said, it feels like my life is like, um, like somebody took the steering wheel away from my life, or uh, another person would call. it. It's like having a ship that has no, no rudder on the back. It's, it's just, we're listing. We're, we're, what, what, what is it that, we're, well, well, God is saying here in his word that each person has been given a calling that's been assigned to him, and to which God has called him, this is my rule in all the churches. You know what's great about this is this isn't just burning bush callings that God's placed on a life, arise, go to Nineveh, like he did with Jonah. But instead, this is, this is him saying that God has placed a purpose and a calling within your life, and it's a part of our privilege to understand, to live in, and to experience it. But in order to do so, we need to recognize that God's calling transcends our circumstances and it kind of makes them irrelevant. I think we want to focus in on the mundane, don't we? We want to focus in on how hard our lives are, how difficult they are compared to maybe the way our lives were a few years ago. But instead, I think what Paul's saying to a group of people who are disrupted, frustrated, trying to figure out their faith, anticipating what's God going to do next, like many of us are, what he's saying is you've got a purpose, I've got a plan for you. There's there's a way for you to experience the fullness of God's gift for you. But I think for some of us, when we talk about the concept of calling, there's, there's a couple of myths that, that creep in and, and kind of help us to be distracted from understanding our calling. The first, I'm gonna call it the myth of, the, of someday. Uh, the myth of someday is to say, someday I will be able to afford it. Someday I'll be smart enough. Someday I'll have that degree. Someday I'll be ready. Someday I'll be retired. Someday I will, and, and we, we put that off out there. Somebody said someday hangs out with the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, you know, that that, that the idea of someday is this this like mythological, someday I'm going to experience it. And I think for some of us, what we're doing is we're waiting for the dust to settle. And what, what life has taught us is next day is going to have its own dust, right? It's going to have its own struggles, its own challenges. So so we, we don't choose to wait until someday, but instead, I love, I don't, I don't know Mary Morsey well, but I love this quote. She says this, start living now. Stop saving the good China for that special occasion. Stop withholding your love until that special person materializes. Every day you're alive is a special occasion. Every minute, every breath is a gift from God. I think that that simple statement is a reminder to us that, that someday is a myth that, that we wait for, don't we? After service, after the first service, I had a couple of people come up and be like, don't even talk about my China, you know? Uh, I'm so afraid about the, uh, we, when we lived in the Bahamas, there was this, this family that we loved. We knew the kids and the grandkids, and this family lived in an amazing home. It was just this gorgeous home, and Um, And and, uh, we found out later on that in that home, the grandparents who had multiple grandchildren, wonderful grandchildren, we were friends with them. And um, they would not let their grandkids sleep in the beds in their home because they were afraid that they were going to get them dirty. And so when they came over to grandma and grandpa's house, they slept on the floor. Now, now, I'm not saying this to judge them. I'm just saying there's something messed up about that. Like, like, when they, like, like someday when those kids get old and they think of their grandma and grandpa that have gone uh, to the next life, that they're going to remember having to sleep on the hard floor because of the fact that they... But, but we make fun of that. But for some of us, that someday... We've we got to protect this for something. For some of us, we're waiting for a day that might ever, never, ever come. A second myth that I think people allow to mute or hinder the calling that God... Remember remember the Apostle Paul says to walk worthy of our calling. Another excuse against that, our myth, is is, um, this idea of an of an expected calling, that God's going to do it in my terms and my way. If I've had one person say it to me over the last 25 years, I probably had 30 who've said, if God just gave me an audible voice, I'd totally do it. (laughs) And I'll just, I'll just say to you, as a, as a pastor who's tried to obey the Lord's calling in my life, there have been a few times when there's no question in my mind that God had an audible calling in my life, but it came in unusual times. It was not in the most pivotal, pivotal times in my life. And I think for some of us, we're deceiving ourselves if we say, I need that burning bush moment. In fact, like a good military officer, we have standing orders that the Lord has given us, like do the work of an evangelist, communicate God's loving kindness to a world that desperately needs it. And so we know that this is true. We watch it in football, that moving objects are easier to redirect. You see the linemen do this on the front line, that we can redirect someone who's moving instead of just trying to butt up against something that's stopped or, or that is not moving at all. And I'll just remind you, the Lord is really good at moving us when we're pursuing him, Right? And so if we're waiting, I'm waiting for the very specific call. You know, even when we do have times where we know it's the voice of God, I have had people who have said to me, uh, in particular surrounding missions, I had a student one time who she said to me, I really believe that God's calling me to do this. And she shared with me the Why? And then we went through the sign-up process, and I noticed her name wasn't on the list, and I followed back around with her, like, hey, you said to me that God told you that you were supposed to do it. And then she went through the list about her boyfriend and her job, and, her, and I, just, I just remember thinking, like, we, we say we want God to tell us what to do, right? And then when he does, we often want to eclipse that with what we want to do. And I'll just remind you, following God's calling usually comes at a cost. But I'll also tell you, it's totally worth it. Do you agree with me on this? And so when we look at the second myth of the expected calling, if God says, arise and go to Nineveh, you go. But if God doesn't say, arise, go to Nineveh, sometimes the desire is for us to still be people who desperately obey his leadership in our life. I think for some of us, the weightiness of obedience feels too heavy for us. We count the cost. We say, God, would you not send me there? We're afraid. We're reactive versus proactive. I love the way Lou Holtz um, said it. He says, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's just how you carry it, you know? And and I think in our lives, it's important for us to understand God's calling is going to be heavy, but he's given us the strength we need to carry it together. The third myth that I think is devastating for our obedience to God's calling is the myth of expectations. Expectations. I think some people live their their every moment in the it is never good enough reality they 're discouraged it doesn 't measure up to what they expected at this stage in life or how it would feel or how their their financial well-being, their, their health, their, it's always discouraging, disrupted, empty. And I'll just remind you that, that when God says that he has a calling, Paul's going to teach us this, that he's saying, I understand it's in a complex situation that comes at a cost that it requires us to obey. I, I think that for some of us, we're confusing what heaven's going to be like, and the reality of eternity, in the presence of a living God versus the reality of life. Remember, the Lord said, in this world, you will have trouble. Rick Warren, in his excellent book, The Purpose Driven Life, I recommend that book. He says this, he says, why am I having such a difficult time in life, people say. One answer is that life is supposed to be difficult. It is what enables us to grow. Remember, earth is not heaven, and so confusing the two, it puts us in a position where we misunderstand what God's calling us to do. So our commitment should be something like Albert Einstein said when he says, I want to know all God's thoughts and the rest is just details. <laughs> I love that statement. That's, that's the way I have committed my life to be, that, that some of the decisions that we've made in our life to follow God's leading, really the primary thing for us has been, what, what are you asking of us? It's not been, is this the final? Financial decision that we is this is this the title that I long is this is this what's going to be easiest for us? Does this make the most sense? Just ask my parents. (laughs) There have been times where they love us and support us. Just ask my in-laws. They they've looked back. You're going to do what? Yeah, because we we recognize that this is what God's calling us to do. And and I'll just tell you, there's never been a time that I've obeyed the Lord's leadership in my life and I've been disappointed. Never. And I say that not arrogantly, but I say that to say, Lord, you're good. Lord, we trust you. So so some people have allowed themselves to fall into these myths, the myth of someday, the myth of an expected calling, the myth of expectations. And I say all of that to say, really, the obedient person who follows the leadership of the Lord is a person who says, the rest is just details. What's the Lord asking of me? So before Christ... Uh, Our purpose for many of us was survival. Post-Christ, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, it ought to be to glorify the living God with every fiber of our being. So we need to live and focus on living the life that God has called for us to live. When he says, walk worthy of your calling, there's a recognition that not all believers do. And some of you have asked this question, and I really appreciate it. And that is, is it appropriate for me to be an electrician for Jesus? Is it appropriate for me to be a teacher for Jesus, or an engineer, or an accountant? And I want to say, absolutely. Isn't it incredible that the man that God used to pen these words through the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that he was a tent maker, that his hands were calloused, From working with his hands all day long and yet God was going to use his mind to do incredible things, his physical body to help plant church, to do these incredible things. So is it appropriate? Is it? Yes, of course there is that God can fulfill our calling, not just in vocational ministry. You know, the God that I serve, I love to say this, and it sounds like it's what I say every week, but I love that the God that I serve is in the re- redemption business, right? That he's in the restoration business. And in the second point that flows out of the text, I think the Apostle Paul's now going to turn to a religious thing that was very much a part of the Jewish culture. and And he's going to point to this, and he's going to say, that regardless of what your past was, uh, whatever those circumstances were, that, that in the blood, through the blood of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a purpose for you, regardless of what your past was. And I say amen to that, don't we? That, that God can use the most unlikely people to bring himself glory And honor. And here he talks to these individuals who the subject of circumcision, as uncomfortable as it is to talk about, was one where publicly a person identified with their faith based on this. So the way that the gymnasiums worked, and it seems like such a private thing, But it was something that was well known publicly in those time periods. And so what Paul's going to say here in the text is he's going to say, some of you who are circumcised, you're going to be tempted to become uncircumcised because of of the desire to change your circumstances, the desire to look more spiritual, the desire to earn God's honor in your life. And some of you who are circumcised, you're going to want to become are uh, uncircumcised you're going to want to become or get it right the flip of that whatever it is and, and you try to and you try to go like how does this happen well there were procedures and and you read this and to get to the core of this it's important for us to understand that he's saying this outward religious expression or this identification of of the old testament laws or the the jewish identification that, that you're something new now there's th- this doesn't he's literally going to say it doesn't it doesn't matter but he is going to say don't get distracted by that stuff the external stuff don't get distracted by it God wants you to be a person who obeys his commands, not just the external religious things. It's so relevant for us. Regardless of what you were in the past, God has a purpose for you. Verse 18, it says this, "'Was anyone at the time of his call,' that's when he heard the message of the gospel and received it, "'was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? "'Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision.'" Was, when it, was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Then let him not seek circumcision. For neither, verse 19, circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. I, I love that phrase. It counts or it doesn't count. You're counting the wrong stuff if you're focusing in on outward religious stuff. Instead, but what our call is to keep the commandments of God. You know what Jesus taught? He said, while this shall all men know that your love for your, while this all men know that you are mine by your love for one another. Spit it out, Sean, you got it. Uh, he also said, if you love me, do what I ask, right? So, so he doesn't long for our sacrifice alone, but he longs for obedience. He expects us to obey him. When we talk about calling, there's a holiness that he's asking of us that we do life his way, and so, so when Paul writes this and he's challenging them, says, stop living life the way the rest of the world does. It's so important for us to remember this, that, that, that the gospel is not about just come as you are and stay as you are, but it is come as you are and let the gospel change your life. It should change the way we respond to sin. Remember, it's God's loving kindness that leads us to righteousness. And so what we see under this theme of God's call is that Paul seeks to put their spirituality into a totally different perspective, that they should remain in whatever social setting they were in at the time of their call because God's call to be is to be in Christ and it transcends the settings so as to make those other settings essentially irrelevant. I love that phrase. So, so, so what is my circumstance? Well, that's how we think most of the time. Is it a good environment? Is, is God caring for me? Has he provided all I need so then I can serve? Instead, Paul is saying, it's time for you to get busy. So yes, your story matters. Your past matters. And I'm guessing if you're a Christ follower, God's gonna use that story for his glory. We've seen him do it over and over again. Even some of the ugly parts of our story. Um, I love... I love what Rick Warren says. We were products of our past, but we do not have to be prisoners of it. Isn't that a great phrase? That we're products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it, especially when we understand God's special way of redeeming our past and making it meaningful for our present and for our future. The God that I serve wants obedience more than he cares about our sacrifice So when he says this, if you love me, you will do what I ask. Um, It is appropriate, some of you might ask this question, well, wait a second, we studied Acts together, and didn't Timothy choose to get circumcised so that he could minister to, um, to Jewish uh, individuals that were yet to become believers, even though he was a Gentile? And the answer is yes. And I, I love this. This is really important that we're told in Scripture that that doesn't contradict this simple truth. But instead, according to Acts 16.3, he did something that I think we can learn from today. And as he chose to say, I'm going to set aside my comfort, I'm going to set aside my preference in order to do whatever I can for the sake of obeying the call that God's placed on my life. So, so his obedience was a time when he said, I want to do this because I want to lay down my rights for the sake of others. You know, it's interesting to me, and this is very encouraging today um, for me, is that when I think about the privilege of worshiping in other cultures and other places, one of the things that I love about this passage is it reminds me that God's church, that the, the reality of the manifestation of believers, the bride of Christ, can function well in settings where people have freedoms like we do in our nation. We thank the Lord for our freedoms. We're so grateful that I can unashamedly preach the word of God and I don't have to be afraid of someone coming in and arresting me for the sake of the gospel. But I will also tell you that I have been in places around the world where their church services do meet underground, that they are at risk of life and limb and job because of associating with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what has happened historically in those settings is that the gospel has grown. It has, there are people who are thriving in the midst of, do I wish that for us? Absolutely not. Don't misunderstand me. But what I want to clarify is the gospel is something that can thrive in circumstances where we have the benefit of a nation that supports us. But you know what the gospel can also thrive in? It can also thrive in settings where those freedoms are not always given to us. So do we take it seriously? Yes. Do we vote carefully? Yes, we do. Do we recognize that God's at work in the life of of those who are non-believers around us? Of course. But I want to remind you that that the great news is Christianity can thrive in any setting, persecution, underground blessing, lousy governments, great governments. You know, what's great about the gospel is it's bigger than all of those things. Do you, are you guys awake still? Amen. Uh, do you, do you understand and agree that, um, you know what? I love this. That's about our nation. That's about the gospel. Uh, but I'll also say this, the third point this morning is whatever your circumstances are, God has a purpose for you. Um, Now he's going to turn to a topic that's significant. He says, Each one should remain in in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who has called in the lord as a as a bondservant is a freedman of the lord so so it sounds like he's being a little cold here when he's saying are you a bondservant stay there now that sounds confusing to us, especially with our understanding and knowledge of slavery in America and the history of slavery in America. And there's, there's a part of this that it's, it's important that we distinguish between the two. In that time period when this was written, uh, by the way, this is no defense of slavery whatsoever, but in that time period, about 30% of the population where this was written to were considered bond servants. And um, they worked in a way where they could potentially earn their freedom, uh, their basic needs were met, and and there are, there are records of individuals who've said this was a desirable lifestyle, not for all, but they were the lowest class that was in that society. So what Paul is saying here is he's not saying you have to stay where you're at. You can't, you can't be released from this. You can't desire to overcome. He's not suggesting that whatsoever. In fact, he says that there's an emphasis on remaining with God through this process, but it's important for us to distinguish that from the history of slavery that took place in our nation. The, the tragedy and the consequences of that and what it's done in our nation. So we look back on this and it's important for us to recognize what he's talking about here though as he's saying a slave can still bring glory to the Lord. A, a person who is a bond servant can still bring glory and honor to the Lord in their circumstances. Some of us find ourselves in circumstances that we are not in control of. We didn't get a vote. We didn't choose it. We didn't ask for it. And yet what he's saying is, even there, don't spend all your time trying to change your circumstances, but understand that God's got a purpose for it. Isn't that encouraging? That, that there's, a, there's a mission that he's chosen to give us amidst our circumstances. So in verse 22, he's going to turn it back to the gospel and he's going to say, For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman in the Lord. In other words, the gospel can set anyone free not to be a slave to sin. Likewise, he who was free when he was called is a bondservant of Christ in other words my allegiance has changed paul said that he was a bondservant for the lord jesus christ and so even even paul i love i love this part about paul so his his mission's going to be right on the surface. So this man who at times was chained to individuals who had no interest in caring about him, that he still would share the gospel with them. And the time period when there's an earthquake and Paul's set free and this soldier is going to commit suicide because of the fact that, that Paul's going to be leaving. The, and, and what Paul chooses to do is to stay and to share the truth of the gospel. That Paul understood, regardless of his circumstance, that the mission mattered more than his own comfort. Isn't that great? And so what we see here is that he says this. For he was called, um, in verse 23, you were brought, bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. In other words, don't choose to place yourself under the authority of men in such a way that it restricts your faith and your ability to live out your faith. But then he says this, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called there, let him, and I love these words, remain with God. We said at the beginning, God knows about the intimate details of your life and your school uh, as a parent and your setting that you're in. He knows the intimate details and he says to us, remain with him. So like I began, I said this, we spend most of our time trying to change, manipulate, uh, adjust our circumstances rather than concentrating on serving the Lord in the situation that we are in. There's an incredible story that I want to close with that uh, I think it's important for us to remember uh, this morning that uh, at the Passion Conference, uh, John Piper back in 2000, told this story about two women in his church that were in their 80s um, and they were on the mission field and there was a car accident and they died. Well, they, in the days that built up to that, one of them was retired and the, they, um, one was a missionary. And they gathered together. They're traveling around, I think it was Cambodia, to share the gospel. And, and so we, we hear this story and, and we just instantly think, what a tragedy. Uh, but instead, what what John said in this message is he said, that they did not waste their lives, that they invested their lives in something that was eternal and they graduated on. And so as sad as this is that they went home to be with the Lord in what felt like an early way, a tragic circumstance. And then he said, this is really what is a tragedy. And he said that he was at a doctor's office, read a Reader's Digest story about a couple in their 50s that had retired early and they moved to Florida. And um, they, they would, talk about the, the life that they live and the big boat that they have, and that they spend their days looking for seashells, and um, and, and and he and his his point is that he said that's the real tragedy. Now, uh, we're not against retirement. We're not against, uh, but but it's important to understand. This is what he said. He said there's going to be a day when a person who's a believer um, or a non-believer is going to give account for their life before the Lord. And he said, can you imagine? That you go up to the God of the universe, and and at your at this time when you're worshiping, you are going to show him your boat. You're going to show him how good your golf swing is. You're going to you're going to focus in on your seashells. Look look what I did for you. I got I gathered these seashells. And and the convicting point in all of this is he's saying like, don't waste your calling, don't waste your life, don't waste your minutes. You guys remember me telling the story? I, I, I share it because it's so meaningful to me that the. The mother who I did the funeral for, for, who had passed away very young, and her young children, they, they testified at her, um, at her funeral that mom was really good at video games. And I, I just, it stands out to me. I bring it up so often because it was so convicting to me that there were opportunities that were missed. Because, like, like Piper's going to say, don't waste your life, right? Don't, don't waste it. I love, I love this quote, when C.T. Studd said it this way, says, you only have one life to live. Twill soon be past. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you, and I thank you for the simple truth that Paul teaches us today, that you have a purpose for every one of us. You have a calling that you've placed on our lives, and I pray, Father God, that even this day, today in history, that we don't take tomorrow for granted. We don't use excuses to justify and rationalize avoiding your call. But I pray for each and every person that's here that you would stir up the foundation of their obedience to you, that you'd stir up within us the desire to invest in what is eternal and not just what is temporal. And I pray, Lord, that you would convict us And areas that we need convicted in, that you would encourage us that we need, in areas we need encouraged in. And Lord, I pray in our core that we would be people who walk worthy of our calling. We love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.